hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed your chili and were able to eat it. It was certainly nice and warm as far as temperature was concerned. Oh, no, not too spicy. It was just the temperature of the was warm. That was lovely. Uh, somebody at our table said you couldn't get any food poisoning from it because it would probably boil away anything away. So anyway, it was very good. Uh, so uh, I'm going to announce what's happening next week because there's two events happening next week. On Tuesday at the public library, Lethbridge Public Library Theatre Gallery, uh, we are hearing about... Um, Canada, Canadian success at the Rio Olympics. What is the value of de developing elite athletes? And uh, uh, Dylan Purcell is uh, the moderator and our speaker. Oh, there's three speakers. Uh, Ashley Stacy, Rachel Nicole, and Rob Kuth Kost Oh, What is it? Kossuth. Yes, okay. Uh, so, free admission uh, and uh, it, from 7 to 9 in, in the theater gallery. And then back here uh, next Thursday at our usual time at noon, uh, our, our theme is Alberta's Power Grid. Where will electricity come from in the future? And that's with Cosmos, now there's another name, Sidness, uh, yeah, with Dwayne Pendergrass uh, moderating. So those should be very interesting times. Uh, reminder that the mic is there. Uh, uh, I see that Henning is already there, going to be the first ones to speak. Uh, the, uh, uh, we ask that you have a question, uh, maximum two. Uh, keep it short, uh, as far as no pontificating, as I said in the past. And, uh, oh yes, and my, I'm being prompted. Uh, and make sure you give your name. And, um, uh, Remember, you can see this, you can go to the website and hear uh, what's gone on and see what's in the past. And uh, anyway, I'd, uh, I'd welcome Belinda back and uh, go ahead, Henning. Hi, Belinda. Hello. I'm Henning Mundell, as you know. And uh, I enjoyed your talk basically on commemoration. Uh, first of all, I want to just briefly say next week, Sunday, I'll be at what's uh, classified as the largest uh, genealogy workshop large in Western Canada, in Kelowna. And on the Sunday following, I'm going to participate in a historical walk through Kelowna. So we're, we're going to see about the commemorations there. Um, the mem commemoration, memorial, and sponsorship. Um, uh, yes, we have the NMAX Theater. We, we have, have the, the Sportsplex, you mean. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. We have the NMAX. We have the Spitz. But then we have the Mattioni, Mattioti Gym at the college. Um, where does memorializing, commemorating, and, and sponsorship start or vice versa? Because for one thing, you said you have to be dead. Well, it was called Mattioti Gym well before Val passed away. But I'm wondering, is there a clear dividing line in terms of money going in and so on? Wow, I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, I think it's more a philosophical debate than anything. If the community chooses to name something after somebody, that would be more commemoration. If you buy the naming rights, 
that's more sponsorship. And so I think it's more of the motivation behind it. And, I, and sometimes they overlap, certainly, um, in some cases. Um, and I was, as for being dead, I was being facetious. But I know for the, if you want a school, you got to be dead. Like certain, they make that because then they, you can't do anything embarrassing. <laughs> right? You're gone. So that's usually why they want you to be deceased so that you, you can't embarrass anybody once your name is on something. Um, though then it doesn't always work because now, of course, Halifax is dealing with the fact that their entire founder is embarrassing them. So, but that's a different story. Hi, my name is Heather Oxman, and Belinda, I wonder if you could speak a, a, a little bit about um, national historic significance and uh, whether or not um, there are national historic sites in and around Lethbridge and what makes a national historic site. Okay. Commemorative integrity and all that. Yeah. National always sounds great because you get that cachet, but it has no money behind it and it has no teeth behind it. So it will not help you preserve a site, but it has a great name. And we have six nationally designated events, people, sites in southern Alberta. The only nationally designated site is the archaeological site that is Fort Whoopup, the original site at St. Mary's Old Man River. That is the only national historic site we have. The only national historic person we have is Charles McGrath, our first mayor, who did so much more than just being our first mayor. He is a national historic person. And we have four national historic events. Uh, the construction of the High Level Bridge, the 1870 Blackfoot Cree Battle, the start of the coal mine operations by Nicholas Sharon in 1874, or 1870 or 1872, depending on which source you read and the first air crossing of the Canadian Rockies by Captain Hoy in 1919. Those are the six that we get to claim for Lethbridge. Um, and as I said, it looks great. You get a beautiful monument in English and French that you, know, you spend years working on negotiating with the provincial or federal government. Um, and for if you want national designation, um, basically <laughs> they cut back on staff on the national level. So if you do all the work yourself of researching and writing it up <laughs> so that their historians don't have to do any work because they don't have many historians left, send it in. They will review it. They have an, a committee sent up at the national level, and it will probably take you about five years to get through, but that's how you get national designation. Um, it is the provincial and municipal designations that have grant money attached. So if you are looking to help actually fund something, um, I would necessarily not go for the cachet of the national. Stick to the ones that might give you money if you're gonna, and then go for national after you get the money. What would be my input into it? <laughs> but yeah, everybody thinks national's the best. It's not necessarily. Hello, I'm Bobby Cullum. I'm just curious, as a Pokemon goer, your thoughts on that because I've learned a lot Pokemon going about this area. You know, I, um, <laughs> I have researched back through all the crazy things people did. Um, the snake dances of the 1940s. Anybody remember those? Or, you know, goldfish swallowing, pushing beds from Lethbridge to Coaldale. Um, all right, LCI students, somebody here did that. 
Um, every generation, every group has something, and I just think Pokemon is the one for right now. I love it, actually. When you see 100 people roaming around, um, I actually saw more people in the cemetery this summer ever, than ever before because there was Pokemon in the cemetery. Um, and, you know, as long as they follow the rules, it was wonderful. So personally, I think anything that gets people out there and gets them noticing things because sometimes they accidentally trip over history and then they read the monuments. And like I said, there's lots to find. So, no, I absolutely love the Pokemon thing. Um, never participated, but boy, do I know a lot who did. And they were out and active and having fun. Can you, can you elaborate what Pokemon is for the audience? <laughs> Pokemon or pocket monsters. <laughs> 20 years ago, you actually had to get the card. Now you just have to go around with your phone and get them. But they are these little monsters that now, with the, if you get the app, you can actually capture around the community and then fight them and different things like that. Um, I had a lot of 20-year-old staff this summer, so I know a lot about Pokemon. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think anything is great. You might not understand it, but you can appreciate that people are active and having fun. Yeah, many of the posters that were on the and you had to go find them. Yeah. No, it was a good way. I wish I had the kind of money to market, you know, the monuments the way Pokemon did. Dan? Uh, good afternoon. Uh, thank you, Belinda, for a, an interesting uh, commentary on, on commemoration. I have two questions I'd like to ask you. Uh, my name is Van Christou. Um, the first one uh, refers to the interesting uh, comment you made about people being, important people in the community being commemorated, for example, at City Hall, walking down those, uh, that, that uh, promenade and seeing those pillars with uh, people like Dr. J.S. Stewart, uh, Brigadier General J.S. Stewart, a famous dentist in Lethbridge, uh, being on them. But as well around town, there are a lot of commem commemorative uh, items to individuals done by their own families. Uh, benches com commemorating uh, uh, members of the family, which I notice people respond to very, very uh, uh, often as they walk around Galt Gardens and the, and the other parks in town. I'm wondering, first of all, does your association uh, support the, the, the uh, commemor commemoration of people individually um, uh, with benches? That's the first question. The second one is, uh, referring to the broader history of the city, um, it's uh, written that uh, we had the largest uh, red light district in all of Western Canada. Has that been adequately commemorated? <laughs> Depends who you talk to. Um, some would like no commemoration of that. Um, the benches and stuff is, is a process done through City Hall where you can talk to them. And it's interesting because they've had to expand the number of benches. Originally it was just around Henderson Lake. They used all those benches. Now I know there's some around the Gaunt Museum and they're all over because people do love those. And personal private commemoration, I mean, it's been going forever. That's what cemeteries are, right? Every headstone is a private commemoration of the history of a person or a family. And, you know, the roadside crosses and all of those and that's why I said at the beginning commemoration is so many different things and done by so many people uh, the difficulty with a lot of those is um, they're hard to document so that commemoration a lot of times will will pass away when the people who did it pass away not to know much the benches but a lot of the other ones because a lot of the crosses along the road don't have names of the people on them even the people who put them up know who it represents so those are 
Uh, and, and I guess for, in some ways, commemoration doesn't have to be permanent. Um, it's a lot of things, it's more the process of doing it. So, but it's interesting, there's actually a book called Commemorating Private History in Public. And it talks about all of those things that people do privately like that, that nobody has any control over or little control over. And it is a, it's a huge part of commemoration. And as to the red light district, um, the, there is a, uh, the LHS with city permission did put up a plaque on the red light district. We have the book on it. We have a few other things as well. Um, three madams will, are named as part of the back alleys. Um, some of the ones that you know, were here longer. Um, you know, but, and I don't see them as members of the, they were female business owners in Lethbridge in a lot of ways. Like, I mean, that's, it's, that's just the role they had. And is it commemorated enough? I think so. It's, it's always so hard. I mean, I was just, just in Haver doing the downtown stuff where they have tour, basically a tourist attraction of the brothels and things. And it's always so hard is when does commemoration become kitschy almost? Like, like at what point are you using people's lives to make money in a way that's not appropriate? And so I'm okay with what's happened now um, because there, it's been commemorated and it, but not overdone. But that's just, again, my opinion. Um, thanks, Belinda, for coming. How come you didn't bring out Austin Fennel? Um, how come you didn't bring a membership to the society here for people to sign up? Oh, well, <laughs> we can do that online at any yeah, time. Yeah, right. I, I, anyway, so much for that. Thanks for coming. Thank um, you. From time to time, there appears in the Herald a picture in which they say, here is an unidentified nurse. Now, how often do you get a response to that? Uh, well, the archives handles that, but I know talking to them, it's amazing how often, especially if they're more modern, if, they're, if it's a hundred and some years old, rarely. But if it's more modern, we quite often get those. And it is the most frustrating thing. If you wanted to go to the Galt archives and put in the word unidentified, it's the largest search engine we have. Um, so if you really want to help history, identify your photographs. Um, <laughs> because if you don't do that, they are useless as historic documents later on, or have a lot less value. So you know, if it's has, if we're supposed to have a bad winter, so you're all going to be stuck at home. No excuse not to sit there and actually identify your documents properly. Uh, good afternoon or morning. Uh, my name is Stan <coughs> Knowlton. I'm the uh, mayor of a, of Ardenville, and I'll probably be be there until the other person decides to challenge me. <laughs> But my, my question was, uh, how would we go about um, commemorating um, uh, regional events that include the city of Lethbridge? And the reason I ask is that in order to find Ardenville, uh, you would have had to go back uh, you know, uh, a few decades in order to locate the place called Ghent over here. Mm -hmm. uh, the railroad track would have passed right in front of the building out here, made its way down to Fort uh, Hamilton, and then up to a place called Haneyville, and then you go a little bit south, and welcome to Ardenville. And uh, the railroad bed is still there, and uh, it would make an incredible path or, uh, you know, some kind of a bike trail. Um, and it also, you know, was a very big part of this area's history. And uh, so one of my dreams is to eventually, you know, be able to look at that old uh, rail bed and um, turn it into something that's still useful for today. 
So this is the old uh, crow's nest track before they built the high-level bridge when it went south on Mayor McGrath Drive around sort of by the airport area and 20 wooden bridges across to Fort McLeod. And if you go down to Popson Park and you look, wet, uh, look south, you can actually see where the old rail bed was. Um, and it's, it's beautiful out there. Um, you know, as I said before, if you want something commemorated, you've got to get the story known. Um, I would start with letters to the editor for the Herald. Um, you know, get an interview with the, somebody, get the story talked about. Um, submit an article to the LHS. We can put it on our Facebook. Because the thing is, the more excitement, more people are aware of things, the more likely something happens. Because a lot of times it's not that a project isn't good, it's that nobody really knows about it. And so that's where you start. The one thing, if you notice, when I, when I think something is important, I talk a lot. Even when people want me to shut up, I talk a lot. And that's what you have to do, is just keep promoting it and promoting it. And it's funny because sometimes the best things, well, somebody will do it that you never expected it. They are creating the walking path to Coaldale, or they have plans for that path to Coaldale. Why not a path going the other way? Um, let them do the Coaldale one first, see what mistakes they make so that, you, that the other one's better. <laughs> and yeah, and when I was down in, oh, I can't remember, Wyoming, Nebraska, they actually had a, every ghost town I went through, they had a state um, sign. So you, you had the history of every community, a sign that the state put up whether the community was still there or not. And so that's another opportunity. The province is always looking for highway signs and things like that. Again, you have to do the paperwork, you have to submit it, but there's another way to get um, this province to pay for signage is to submit it to the highway signs, and that is through the Alberta Historical Resources Foundation. And yeah, lots of ways, and we can talk afterwards. There's so many different ways of commemorating something. A lot of them, um, the way I got the back alley signs approved is I just made final back alley signs and my friends and I illegally put them up one Saturday. <laughs> Left them up for a couple of weeks, started a conversation, and got permission. <laughs> so. so. <laughs> yeah, because there's too many hoops to jump through otherwise, so you just do it. Uh, <clears throat> Terry Shellington, I guess, <coughs> I guess historians have to be troublemakers too. Um, <laughs> Your comments on Legacy Ridge kind of were intriguing, and I wonder, since it's not an area that most of us drive through very often, I once had a delivery to make there and was astonished at the strange names. Uh, could you highlight who some of those women are and where and uh, what distinguished them? Okay. Um, there was a committee, the Committee for the Recognition of Women, Centennial Committee for the Recognition of Women, and they, they thought they would actually get the city to help, so they actually tried to make Riverstone uh, Legacy Ridge and were turned down and they actually got eventually got support through Melcor. So Melcor was the developer of Legacy Ridge and uh, if you drive around any community it doesn't take long to realize there's more male names than female names out there. And that was what this committee wanted was to get some women's names on street signs and things like that. And that's why if you live in Legacy Ridge the women's full names are there so you can't somehow think it's a man's name. It's, it's their full name, which is, they are long names. And the best way to explain Legacy Ridge, if you've been here long enough, it's between Hardyville and North Lethbridge. <laughs> um, uh, the major boulevard is Mildred Dobbs Boulevard. Mildred Dobbs ran the isolation hospital for decades. And uh, initially, when she moved in in 1909, it was out on the red light district. 
because they didn't want it near the good people, so they put the isolation hospital near the bad people. Mildred was very religious, so she asked them to move it, and they did, to the cemetery. <laughs> they had the isolation hospital right outside Mountain View Cemetery. You either get better or you just don't leave. Um, and then they moved it to that beautiful building on 7th Avenue and 20th Street. That was the isolation hospital until uh, the 1950s. And she worked there for decades, running the place, taking care of anybody with contagious diseases. We also have Elizabeth um, Ferguson McKillop, a wife of Reverend Charles McKillop, has the Elizabeth McKillop Park. Um, we have um, Edith Emma Coe, the first teacher in Lethbridge, has a road named after her. Uh, we have uh, people involved with the Traveler's Aid Society, and all, there's an unbelievable number there. And as Legacy Ridge is expanding, I know they had to put in a new list. And if you were the first to move into Legacy Ridge, uh, with the Historical Society assisted by creating a book of biographies of all the people who have streets and parks named after them, and if you bought one of the, one of the houses first, that book was part of your gift moving in. And that book, uh, Legacy of Lethbridge Women, still exists. Um, and so there is a book that tells you about them. And um, when there's new names, they'll have to expand the book or another edition. So the, all the women are in there. And there, there's, there's everything you could possibly imagine in there. Um, and they, there are various different um, cultural groups represented. And there's some who we were discussing. There's some who, when I said don't embarrass people, there's some there that we're not quite sure of some of the history and the stories. But it's, it's, it's a good thing they're out there as well. Uh, my name is Frank Toth. I was expected to ask you an important basic question, Belinda. You've done a fantastic job in researching. Uh, I've been the battler for recognition and memory of the mining community for years. I've tackled every mayor except our latest Dr. Spearman. I guess he's not a doctor, Mayor Spearman. Uh, I just wonder with the... Um, with the fantastic work these original rec unrecognized miners have done, including the establishment of the 40-hour week for all of Canada in the 1905 era, I believe that's right on. Uh, they've done so much. How come that uh, uh, you haven't impressed our local mayors and councils to put up a daily recognition of these people that built coal banks, Lethbridge, Alberta. And then secondly, I'd like you to elaborate on the Melcor's now famous coming on development of the number eight mine site. Number six. No, number six, okay. Yeah. Um, and Melcor and the city will be doing the lead on that site. We're simply there to help with the interpretation of the park area. So I don't even know at this point what it's gonna look like. Uh, right now, all I know is uh, we're working with Melcor to try to do some fundraising and stuff. Uh, they're applying for grants and stuff. Um, and so, but they are, they're, what I've understood is they want to use the, the ruins, for lack of a better word, of the Galt Six Mines as part of the park. They want an amphitheater there. And their hopeful plans is that there will be space for classes for teaching and that it will be an interpretive park as much as an enjoyment park. And so they have, and they, um, the difficulty is a lot of the people we sat down with a couple of years ago have left Melcor, so we'll have to get the new people up on speed again as to what we want to do. Um, and that, it's, it's too far, 
too early in the process to know what that park's going to look like. Um, certainly signage is what they're thinking, but they've done a book once, and maybe Melcor can do another book on, on the history of Hardyville, that if you move into that area, you get this next book as well, uh, because there's too much of a story just to go into the park, but that's just my own goal. Frank's asking if they've set up a committee for the city to set up a day recognizing the coal miners. I'm here right now with my LHS hat, but I think a lot of you also know I work for the city. <laughs> they don't listen to their staff that way all the time. <laughs> so, you know, again, I talk and talk, but it also takes others to listen and listen. And sometimes they just don't listen. So, unfortunately, no. You need to go to the mic. Uh, thank you so much, uh, uh, Brenda, for a very informative uh, talk today. Uh, I'm Bev Trainer, and uh, my question is, we have got a lot of history, and it makes sense that a lot of it's to do with our cities, okay? But my question is, what are we going to do to try to commemorate particularly women in a rural environment? It, it, it just seems to be historically a tougher place to go because, well, for a multitude of, re of reasons, you know, birth control pill that didn't, uh, wasn't in existence at the time that they were establishing history, bigger families, uh, rural work, but it seems often that they get left out. And my question is, is there a way that we can focus more on the contribution made by historically rural women? Um, well, it's just kind of funny that you ask it today. So if you have ideas, email them to me. I've been invited to a think tank, first time ever on a think tank, um, in Edmonton on Alberta Women's History end of October. So if you have anything, this is the time, because if the weather is good and I can travel, I'll be going to that in the end of October, and that's what this entire or meeting is about. And again, the stuff is there. It's hidden in all those beautiful community history books. Um, which, you know, you have to go through this much to find, this, you know, the stories, and which have luckily been digitized. But it's also interesting because a lot of times the women wrote those family histories, and they wrote the family history where they told everything about their husband and didn't put their own name in it, where there's some places you cannot actually find the woman's name. She's just mother throughout. So uh, some of that, unfortunately, is they left themselves out of history because they didn't think their stories. Um, but they're, they're there. It's just piecing it together. And there are, <laughs> I'm doing a couple presentations at the university this year, and the other thing I like to do is talk to any kid I think who's going into a master's. Have I got a topic for you? Um, the one, and I'm not the right person to do this one, but one story that needs to be told, and it's just making me think about it, is the first people um, within the Blackfoot community to move into Lethbridge in this 50s, 60s, 70s, mostly the 60s and 70s. And I've talked to some people, so I have some understanding what that experience was, but we've, that story has never been told. There's a master's thesis there if you have any kids, grandkids who are wanting to write something that needs to be told. The women's stories rurally, you're right. Um, and technically, as the Lethbridge Historical Society, we are the Historical Society of Alberta chapter from Saskatchewan to BC, Natton to Saskatchewan. <laughs> Just a little area we have to worry about. Um, and so while we do a lot of Lethbridge focus, we also work on those areas. Um, and it's a lot of 
I wish I had all the time in the world to do it, but it's trying to encourage more people and better sharing of these stories because somebody knows them, but they may not know how to get them published. They may not know how to get them out there. And the other thing that the Historical Society can do, if you have local stories, we have, and I'm going to do a little break here, over 9,400 followers on our Facebook page. And a couple weeks ago, we did a post for somebody at the university that got 49,000 hits. So we also don't, even, don't always have to be the ones telling the stories. We can share your stories. So if you have something that you want to know, talk to us, and we can help put up an article or something and get it out to a wider community as well. Facebook is fun if you don't waste your all your time on it like I do. We have time for two more questions. Hi. Kathy Thrall here. It just occurred to me that uh, through the discussion of today uh, that we could do a play or a musical or something like this or a dance. Uh, I don't know if there are any musicians here who have had the same idea, but I think it might be a good lesson for the students in the schools if it were put into the arts field. So have, has anybody any ideas on that? And, and the art world too. If you're a songwriter and you want to go for coffee, do I have some stories that would make amazing songs? <laughs> like, yeah, because I, I, as much as I can tell a story, a songwriter can get it out to a greater audience and better and faster. I mean, I, uh, the Historical Society of Alberta put together a um, bunch of songs about Alberta. Where you can, there's about 400, and I listen to them in my car when I'm driving. And I only wish I could do what Maria had done and some people have done to take history and put it to music. I mean, anyway, it's just a thought. And if anyone here has any ideas on the subject, I would like to hear. There's, there's dance, there's art, there's, you know, all kinds of music. So speak up so if you Talk to Kathy afterwards. If you too shy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> If I may be allowed another question, uh, it's uh, interesting to me that uh, we have the mayor of Hardyville here. Uh, having grown up in Lethbridge, Hardyville was an out-of-bounds place. And finally, in my old age, I'm curious now to find out how did Hardyville get its name? Was it from Mayor Hardy at that time? or is It was it Mayor Hardy name? before he was Mayor Hardy. When he was the manager of the coal mines, they named it after him. And... Um, it's quite funny because I have a wonderful document of the community of Hardyville approaching Lethbridge to try to get the streetcar to extend all the way to Hardyville, and they were told no by Mayor Hardy. <laughs> so he wouldn't extend the streetcar to a town named after him. Um, but it's funny, I was telling this table here, I know there was bootlegging in Hardyville, partly because my great uncle was one of the bootleggers. <laughs> so, and, but there's even, I don't even have family pictures to really good Hardyville pictures because nobody had money for pictures in my family but they had money for alcohol. Uh, will you join me uh, in thanking uh, Belinda for a uh, good talk and question period? Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs>